friends, welcome to Two, Two Queers Walk, Walk Into a church. church. I'm Emily. I am a behavioral therapist and soon to go back to being a tattoo apprentice. Who are you, friend? I am Dom and I work with youth in the Detroit area. Are you work typically with kids in the juvenile justice system or that are at risk for dropping out of school? And I work to make sure they stay in school and help get them graduated. Oh yeah. So today we're going to talk about the Stonewall riots. Probably talk on some of the riots that are happening, still happening right now um, for the Black Lives Matter movement. But we wanted to kind of take it back to the roots of why LGBTQ plus people riot and why, you know, why we need to remember that, especially during this time where black people are unfortunately being murdered by the police or abused by the police. And queer people need to remember that we wouldn't have pride without black women. We wouldn't have pride without black trans women specifically and other non-conforming people. So you know, it's it's really hard for white people to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement, and we really would like to have somebody, like an actual black person, talk with us about that. So this is our contribution that we can do for now without trying to assume any sort of voice. Yeah. Um, yeah, we reached out. Uh, we just made kind of like a blanket statement on, on our social medias that we were looking for folks to interview or send in sound bites. But we also acknowledge that this is like a really tumultuous time and that's a lot of emotional labor. So we didn't really expect a whole lot of people to be responsive to that because there's so much going on. Uh, people are putting energy into protesting. People are putting energy even just into living, <laughs> trying to make it <laughs> through the day. So we fully understand that that's not something that folks are capable of right now. If you are someone who is interested in doing that where we really want to amplify black voices right now so we would love to hear from you but we also don't want to speak on that without some expertise that can speak alongside with us because we're just two white people so uh we want to make sure we don't we don't do that in a way that's not honorable i guess right we don't want to be disrespectful because we don't know that Speaking of which, we went to a riot, not a riot, we went to like a protest type thing in a more predominantly white city recently. Very white. And at the end of the protest, they had kind of like a spoken word, but basically like uh, share your experiences of what it's like to live as a black person or a brown person. And for the fact that that was like the standard of what was supposed to be those are the type of people that were supposed to talk. There were an awful lot of white people that got mm-hmm. on the mic, and I was very annoyed by that. Because, I yeah, okay, cool, we can talk about all of the time about how our black and brown friends got in trouble when we didn't, which is, you know, like, it's great that we acknowledge our privilege, but this was not the time. Mm-hmm. As well as we, it was not the time to bring up the fact that white people think that they experience racism when... <sighs> It is not the same at all. <laughs> okay, so this, like, Karen-ass motherfucker <laughs> was, like, bitch. got up on stage, and she was like, yeah, my kids are biracial, and blah, blah, blah. Like, that was how she started it out, and I was like, okay, like, well, I don't know where she's going with this. 
And then she was like, oh, the reason why it started is because the the person before her was saying that, you know, a way to uphold the black community right now is to put your money where your mouth is. Donate your dollars to black-owned businesses. Donate your dollars to black organizations that are helping, you know, bail people out of jail or, you know, doing different political movements surrounding things that support Black Lives Matter movements or black folks in general. And that's what the person before her said. And then she got on stage and she was like, boo-hoo, what about, well, if we only give money to black people, then, you know, that just creates racial divide. And then, and then, you know, well, then you're just going to keep having divide if you want everyone to just only shop at black businesses, then you'll will never be one race. And then she continued to say how her life is hard because she can't go to a grocery store as a white woman because black people don't like her anymore. Yeah, she said that she got called racist. Like a found black lady. Yeah, well, I was like, yeah, well, maybe if you weren't going around spouting how we all need to be one race. Okay, (laughs) Hitler. Jesus. Like, come on, get over yourself. Number she one, was, it's not about you. And number yeah. two, like, how embarrassed do your kids feel? Like, her kids were there. I would be so fucking embarrassed for my mom if she just got on the mic and was like, yo, I do not have privilege as a white woman. <laughs> Fuck you, yes you do. It was. Shut the fuck up. The the scariest part was, she was there. It seemed like she knew a lot of the organizers. So I was like, this is really awkward for everyone. And so we were all kind of just like looking at each other like, this is so uncomfortable and weird. Like, what do we do? And so I was just like, hey, sit down, (laughs) sit down. And so I just like said it a couple times. And then everybody was like, pass the mic. And I was like, thank God, because this is like, this is really, truly fucking unbearable for me to listen to. So I can't even imagine how some of the black folks probably felt. They were probably like, outraged by what she was saying yeah so that was really interesting and by interesting i mean really fucking annoying that she did that but the rest of the protest was great so it was a really good turnout i got a dope shirt that says fuck police brutality i'm gonna wear it to who knows my grandma's house maybe just (laughs) just to shake things up a little bit because i've been having all these like really intense conversations with the people in my family it's a little exhausting sometimes but it is necessary so yeah so because it is pride month we're gonna talk about stonewall today but also because of what is going on in the world and it's it's almost like cis white gays have forgotten what pride is and how it started so this is an excellent reminder for all of us also i don't think there's anything more incredible than the fact that this movement is getting so much speed and so much acknowledgement during pride month i i don't know that that's a coincidence i don't know if i believe in coincidences but i think these two movements have gone hand in hand for a very long time not that they are the same but a lot of times you know queer people and folks in in black folks as well a lot of our movements have kind of like moved alongside one another and that's because there are queer black people and you know there are 
there's also been a lot of systematic oppression against both groups. And so we've been able to kind of lean on each other in that way. Not to say that there aren't a lot of differences, because there are, for sure, in different privileges and whatnot. But I do think that that's part of the reason why those two communities have been able to kind of see eye to eye in a lot of ways. So that's why we were thinking it's important to talk about Stonewall today, especially because Stonewall was started by queer people of color. It was not started by a bunch of white people at all, (laughs) despite what people like to believe or pretend happened. So we're gonna dive into that. Hell yeah. Buckle up. So do you want to start? Do you want me to start? How do you want to do this thing? How about you start? I have notes. But I can absolutely. You're you're my elder in this situation. Oh <laughs> wow! Thank you. <laughs> okay, so Stonewall. For those of you who do not know, Stonewall, and for those of you who maybe you do know, but you just don't have maybe the full picture of of what happened during Stonewall. So the Stonewall riots were what were commonly known as what kind of spearheaded the gay liberation movement there were a lot of other riots that happened before then actually part of the reason why this one was so important i guess they were all important but part of the reason why this one was really kind of like what got things going is because it did happen during the civil rights movement they were kind of happening at the same time so that's part of the reason why Stonewall got where it is today is because those things were happening side by side. Mm -hmm. So the Stonewall riots happened at the Stonewall Inn right outside. It it was a gay bar. It was right outside of the bar and then along Christopher Street, which is in Greenwich Village in New York City. It is somewhere you can still go today. It is actually considered a historical landmark now. Mm -hmm. And there are, are... All of Christopher Street is pretty much considered part of the Historical Commission. I think it's Historical Commission Association. So they're not owned by like a private owner. It's all owned by the city, so to speak. Um, And it can't be torn down because it's a historical building and all of those things. It has like those protections. The day we were originally going to record this, I did, I just watched like literally as many documentaries as I could on the Stonewall riots. And it was really cool because the Stonewall in, in the surrounding park was the first LGBTQ national landmark that has been protected in the United States, which yeah. is just like, it's crazy that it took until like, like up until recently to, to actually like have that be a thing like no other space had ever been, you know saved in that way yeah yeah so stonewall happened as kind of a response to a lot of police brutality which is why it's so ironic to me that (laughs) that you have so many queer people you know condemning the black lives matter movement right now because this is the reason why we have some of the you know freedoms and differences that we have today not that There isn't a lot of work to be done because there is, but things are very different than what they used to be. And that is because of, specifically because of these riots. So Stonewall happened on June 28th and it went on for six days. And they, it went until June 
or I'm sorry, July 3rd. And uh, basically what happened is it was another night of police officers coming in to the bar and they would line up the people that were in the bar and they would check their IDs. And when they would check people's IDs, they would look to see if there were any trans people, essentially. Or they would look to see if there were any men that were dressed too femininely, any too, any women that were dressed too masculine, is what they would call it. They would often refer to it as a man wearing women's clothes or a woman wearing man's clothes. Those things were illegal in the 60s. So people would line up and they would check everyone's IDs. And if they were suspicious of someone being trans or someone being too androgynous or any of those things, they would take them into the bathroom. They would make them pull their pants down and they would check their genitals to see if their genitals matched what their outward appearance was. So this on this particular night, there was people basically got fed up and they said, we're not doing this anymore. And they started a riot with the police. The police were actually so afraid that they had to barricade themselves inside of the bar to try and get rid of the, the protesters getting inside and, and harming them. And this went on for six days. So there were police officers that some of them got barricaded in for a very long period of time until they finally set fire to the building. So there are a lot of different theories about how the building got set fire to. Some people say the police started it. Some people say protesters started it. There's truly no way to know because no one's really sure who did it. Mm -hmm. The police argue that they wouldn't do that because they were inside the building. So who knows? Who knows why the, the building was actually set on fire? It's crazy. Yeah. And a lot of people go back and forth on like who actually started. They all say Marsha P. Johnson did, which by her own account, she's like, well, I didn't get there until like two. Yeah. That's what I was reading which, as well. She made a, she's quoted and she was like, I didn't get there until after the fights already started. Yeah. So according to her, she did not, you know, throw the first brick. Yeah, so from what I was reading and watching, even before it started being too riotous or whatever, they started, they just grabbed all the drag queens. Mm-hmm. They grabbed all the drag queens and they started putting them in the paddy wagon. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I don't know if it was like the last drag queen or just like the most recent drag queen that they got in there. She, They were like putting her in there, pushing her in there, and she took her high-heeled foot and fucking kicked the guy <laughs> in the shoulder. Some, and some people say that that's how it happened. Other people say that Stormy Delarvery punched a police officer, which that is also not necessarily confirmed. I watched a couple interviews with people saying that they saw a butch person punch a cop and like started a whole bunch of things, but it's not conclusive as to whether or not it's Stormy because Stormy herself is, was like, well, I was there, mm-hmm. but you know, because a lot of times like when she's being interviewed, it's when she was like much older. So she's like, I don't right. really remember, you know? Yeah. Cannot confirm or deny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and then once the riots actually ended was when this, you know, all these parades started happening, all of these different organizations and movements started happening. Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera 
opened up different housing establishments before, during, and after Stonewall, really. But they were both responsible for so many incredible things. They housed young queer people who were kicked out on the streets. Sylvia's house is still in existence today. People still live there and go there. I don't know what the stipulations are for living there. I think it's kind of like how we have Ruth Ellis Center in Detroit, where it's, you know, a a program you get enrolled into, but it's specifically for queer people who don't have anywhere to go. So there were so many, like, incredible things that happened from these riots. What people don't know is a, a few things. So first of all, the reason why gay bars were illegal then, so it was not, the the fact that the Stonewall Inn existed was illegal in and of itself. Um, yeah, it was run by the mob. It was run by the mob, yes. So it was run by the mob. The mob bought it because they realized that there was a, I guess, a way for them to make money off of having gay bars. So the mob would run these facilities. They didn't have running water inside of them. They were very illegitimate, but it was still a safe place for people to go to and dance and drink which you were not allowed to do as a gay person or queer person in the 60s. You couldn't just walk into a bar with your partner and dance with them. But Stonewall allowed that. Stonewall allowed you to come in with your partner and dance, and that was like a big thing. People wanted to be able to dance with their friends and the the people that they cared about. So the mob really profited off of that. They would come in, they would take their their pay cuts, and they would pay off the cops as well. So that's part of the reason why the cops would leave them alone sometimes and not shut them down is because they were getting paid off by the mob. Yeah. It's really sad, too, because the fact, the whole reason why the riots also started is because that was, like, the one week that the cops weren't paid off. So that's why they just, like, busted their way in there. And it's really sad because, so they wouldn't go necessarily into the actual bar, but they would get all the homeless youth which was usually transgender people that were like sleeping on the park benches and they would get them for like loitering or whatever, even though there were hundreds of homeless people all around the entire city, but they knew that all the gay people were in Greenwich Village. So Yep, yep, absolutely. And you know, it's really, it's frustrating because when I hear people talk about pride now and, you know, how different it is, and, and obviously I love going to pride. I love love watching the parade I love just like being there with people who get me and I I get them and we get to just kind of like be in our own little bubble for a little while and and be ourselves without people questioning us but there are still the people who question you there are still the people who want to create I don't know structure around who is and who isn't welcome what kind of behavior is appropriate what kind of behavior isn't appropriate cops are just like chilling at pride wearing like pride badges and and shit and you know like trying to be supportive or prideful or whatever and that is just such a bizarre concept to me because pride literally started because of cops and because of police brutality and because these institutions murdered beat shamed imprisoned people like us and now we're like welcoming them with open arms 
Yeah. And, and I understand that there are queer people who are police officers, but sorry, I just, I don't think that that means that police officers need to be there in uniform. Yeah. You're going to have to come when you're out of uniform and you're not representing a system that is dangerous for queer people historically and queer people of color. So I guess I just don't really understand that about, I know that's like really controversial for a lot of people because people think that the cops are there to protect us, but they're not. (laughs) They're not. They're there to police us and stare at us and protect the Nazis when, when the Nazis storm outside of pride. That's just, that... I was out of town when that happened, but I just, like, I can't, I cannot fathom, I I, I just can't fathom, period. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't understand why a terrorist group should be allowed to have a police escort outside of a celebration. Like, there's, if you're protesting, you should not get a police escort. If that's the condition, then why do we not have police escorts for Black Lives Matter? Why didn't we not have policemen other than like fucking Flint, Michigan? Why don't we have police officers walking with the protesters saying we're protecting these people and their freedom of speech? Why the fuck do the Nazis get it? Mm -hmm. But we don't. Well, not we, but you know, but why don't people who are protesting for Black Lives Matter? Like it makes absolutely no fucking sense. No, it really doesn't. And it's like, the reason why is because our government is built on white supremacy. So we uphold and protect white supremacy because we fear that if we don't protect white supremacy, then white people will no longer be in control. So the police protect groups like the KKK and other neo-Nazi, you know, groups because that's what our government is that's what they support so it's just it's funny because i saw this meme and it was like there is a reason why you never see police officers (laughs) taking nazis to jail or at nazi protests and it's because you'll never see hannah montana and miley cyrus in the same room yeah i saw that too and i was like that's real as fuck like that's that's exactly what it is because how many of those police officers and this is not something we're just making up this has been proven has happened dozens of times and this has come up a lot in this time during the all of these protests so many police officers have been found to be members of the kkk Mm -hmm. they either are in these neo-nazi groups anyway so aside from the systemic portion of it also some of them are participating in in these terrorist groups yeah which is why they protect them because they're a part of them it's really hard like it police should not be a pride maybe if you want to sit outside of it and make sure that nobody comes in who's stupid maybe but like there's no reason for you to be walking as a police officer throughout pride just like observing no, that's unnecessary. We're not a zoo. <laughs> Don't need you. Don't want you. It's crazy. But even, like you said, like aside from the cops, like queer people, I shouldn't say queer people, I should say white gay people 
whether you're gay or lesbian or whatever, like, there's been, like, even, like, like, Marsha P. Johnson had to fight to be able to go to Stonewall. She mm-hmm. was the first, she, she talks about how she was the first drag queen to ever be let in there. They let in cisgendered women before they let in Marsha P. Johnson. Because yep. at first it was, like, Stonewall was just a, a, a male gay bar. Gay club, yeah. Yeah, and then they were like, oh, well, I guess we can let women in. And I was like, okay, fine, we'll let, you know, we'll let drag queens in. Or, you know, we'll let transgender people in. And it's just crazy because I watched a I watched a video of Sylvia Rivera trying to get up on to the stage mm-hmm. of a Pride celebration. I'm, I think it was either the year after the riots or maybe a couple years afterwards. And... She's trying to talk and just say, like, I'm here, I'm queer, I'm a proud transgender woman. And all of these gay people were booing her. Yes, they were. And trying to get her to get off stage. And she's like, you don't understand. I was there. Mm-hmm. I fought for us to be able to have this pride right now. I am the reason yep. you are here today and you're not getting shot at. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like... It's and it's just crazy because, like even today, I'll, like um I was I started listening to Sibling Rivalry, which is uh, Bob the Drag Queen and Monet Exchange, two wonderful um black drag queens, and they talk all the time about how gay men, while they applaud and revere drag queens, absolutely do not want to date them whatsoever, yep. because they're like, oh well, like. Like, that's all great for you, and I think you're great, but, like, I don't want to fuck you. Yep. You're too you're too much of a woman for me. It's like, oh, I'm, I mean, some there are some transgender queens, but, like, for these people, they're like, I, I'm a man. I just happen to dress as a woman. Like, I don't know. People are... White supremacy <laughs> is everywhere. The queer community is not... It's not absolved from that. No, it's not absolved from it. It is a matter of fact, much of the queer community is very deeply ingrained. Oh, I just knocked over my mic because I'm getting angry. Very, very deeply ingrained in white supremacy and heteronormativity. Still, even today, Mm -hmm. there are so many people who, you know, I mean, we'll just take art. We'll take Detroit as an example. In Detroit, how many lesbian bars do we have? One. None. We have zero. None? Oh, it's closed down now. (laughs) We have no lesbian bars. Zero. Zero lesbian Mm -hmm. bars. How many gay male-dominated bars do we have? I feel like I can think of three or I can think of- Three to five. I was going to say like three to five, yeah. Yeah. Because we cater to cis white gay men. That's what we do. We cater to them because they're men and they're white. So they are inherently more important than anyone else. Mm -hmm. That's just what we do. Queer community is just as guilty of that as anyone else. Mm -hmm. The difference between the queer community and the, we'll say, non-queer community in that regard is that we have some acknowledgement of what oppression looks like. So I think that that has sort of flagged Uh, what oppression looks like and how it feels for some people which is why queer people and people of color have found some alignments with one another but 
do not for a second even think that that means that just because you're queer that you're not racist because <laughs> you oh, probably yeah. are if you're a white person and you are even if you're queer you probably still have you know some internal racism inside of you we all do it's something that we're taught since we're very 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 little so it's really frustrating to me that queer people think that for a lot of reasons but because they think that they're queer that it kind of excuses them from having to speak up having to challenge racism any of those things especially when it is queer people of color specifically queer trans women of color who fought for everything that they have now everything yeah Yeah. we wouldn't have most of the things that we have now if it were not for them and even before stonewall it was the compton's cafeteria and at the compton's cafeteria it was all queer women of color most of them were trans women there was like two white women roughly so it is just appalling to me that right now we're still having to have those conversations about whether or not racism exists and especially the way it it penetrates the queer community yeah i think that we should highlight some people yeah some people that were at stonewall so we already mentioned a couple people that are were some pretty key players in the stonewall riots so i just wanted to kind of make sure that we say their names clearly in a way that everyone hears and understands because i know we kind of just dove right into the story mm-hmm. so some people that are really important marsh p johnson marsh p johnson was a an activist did a lot of incredible things. She was responsible for not only protecting queer youth, but she organized a lot of a lot of movements, a lot of different campaigns. She was also a sex worker, and so she fought against the police arresting sex workers as well, which is incredible because in that time it was so common especially for queer people who have been displaced to become sex workers. And so she would set up bail funds and bail people out of jail and then give their give them somewhere to live. She was just like an amazing, super incredible human. Then there was Sylvia Rivera. Sylvia Rivera did very similar work to Marsha. They worked alongside each other. They lived together at one point. They were kind of like each other's... I don't know. I guess they were they were partners. They were sisters. Yeah, they were sisters. They were partners. They they did a lot of their personal things together as well as their professional things. They created the Star House, which Star is Star House. That's what it was called. Yeah. So, granted this is a dated term, but Star stands for Street Trans- Transvestite Action Revolutionary Activists. Yes. Um, so, and like you said, like they they created the Star House, which they housed a whole bunch of young black or black Latinx women from New York City who were sex workers. And 
I was reading a couple interviews with people and like Sylvia Rivera took up that especially like the housing area and then even like after Marsha died or was killed but she would invite people in and they would call her Sylvia and she was like no 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 you live here now I'm your mother now call me mom mm-hmm. 100% like just taking care of these at-risk women who were obviously like these people were kicked out of their houses they had nowhere else to go and these other trans women were trying to uplift the community and make sure that they didn't just get killed like Marsha unfortunately and they did have boys too but the majority like trans girls yeah and a lot of the people that they housed there were sex workers as well Mm -hmm. and they really tried to protect them from people they were you know having sex with but but also the police they were trying to protect them from both equally probably (laughs) if not the police more And then the other person that we wanted to talk about, well, there's a couple other people, but Stormy, I don't know how to say her last name. I'm going to butcher it. Stormy De Lavari. Lavari. Mm -hmm. And she was so many things. She was a, a biracial woman. She was very androgynous. She referred to herself as Butch. She was a person who would come to Greenwich Village and would kind of help keep people safe. She was really all about helping ignite these movements, and she worked really hard. She was also an entertainer. She would do drag, and she did a lot of, like, Radio City music hall stuff. She was a musician, and she was, like, really into the theater. She was raised by her... So her dad and her... Her her dad was a white slave owner, and her mom was her dad's slave. She was... Well, in the 60s, they didn't call them slaves. They called them servants. So she was the servant to their family. So Stormy was also really involved in civil rights movements because in the 60s, as you can imagine, it was really uncommon. It it was common to be biracial, but it was really uncommon for that to be accepted in the way that it was. So she, she was raised in a very particular situation and a lot of people called her the Rosa Parks of the queer community, so to speak. She really was all about creating peace, not peace in like a peaceful protester kind of way, but she wanted to, she wanted there to be peace. She wanted there to be happiness in the community and she did whatever she had to do to get there, which did include being in the Stonewall riots. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in order to get peace, you have to, you know, do certain things to make those changes happen and stormy was a part of that revolutionary act so i think it's important to to note her as well oh yeah for sure there was a couple other people that i wanted to mention and i i don't know a ton about these people i just know that they were at stonewall and right now some of them are still alive they are very elderly of course so one of them is Yvonne Ritter. She snuck out of her parents' house in Brooklyn to go to the Stonewall Inn. She was going there to celebrate her, her 18th birthday, and then that was during the riots. And so when she showed up there, she was very surprised to find that there was a riot happening, and she participated and was part of our liberation to celebrate her 18th birthday. 
<laughs> yes, I love that. I know. I was like, that's amazing. There were there were hundreds of people. So I I wish that I could like go into every single person that was there. I don't I I don't know that. I just was reading interviews from people who were there and what some of their names were. So I just wanted to kind of mention some of those. Virginia Apuzo. I think Apuzo is probably how you say that. And she said that she went to Stonewall because she read about it. And she knew that it was kind of like a secret place where she could go and she could kind of live up to live to be who she was. And she didn't want to have to hide her identity at all. And so she just went there to kind of explore. And then later on, she went to participate in the Stonewall riots as well as a regular patron. Side note. I got super fucking pissed when I was watching Drag Race. It was like an all-stars race. And they talked about the Stonewall riots and the fact that there's, I don't know why, but there's some dialogue about the fact that the people who started the Stonewall riot did it because... They were so sad that fucking Judy Garland died. And RuPaul, fracking Charles, decided that he was going to make that a big thing because he needed a theme for one of his weeks or whatever. So he was like, let's talk about Judy Garland and how everybody at Stonewall was so bereft, so grieving. They were grieving over Judy Garland. So that mustered up the strength to for them to, like, fight back for their rights. It's like, no, bitch. They were fighting systemic racism. And I find that it's, like, super fucking funny that a black man named RuPaul Charles would bring that up because there's actually a... The whole reason why people think that is because there was a Republican right-wing reporter for the, the news who wrote an article about the Stonewall riots the day after it and he said that they were grieving Judy Garland as a way to make fun of and make light of the systemic, like, oppression that gay people and trans people had experienced. And they're like, oh, well, these fucking queens are just so fucking sad about Judy Garland that they just fucking snapped. Like, why is this still a part of <laughs> this, the Pride, like, dialogue right now? Like, that's what, like, why would you take away? Why would you take away from the fact that that trans people, drag queens, and gay people were finally fucking fed up with being imprisoned and raped and, like, everything else. What? (laughs) The riot started because they were arresting their friends. And they finally said, fuck it. You're not arresting us anymore for just existing and living in the world. That's why it happened. Not because of fucking Judy Garland? What? Yeah. I'm sure there Which were I'm... queers that were upset about Judy Garland, but that's definitely not why the Stonewall riots happened. Like, because I heard that, and I was like, oh, that's, that's fucking weird. Maybe this is like a deep cut that I don't know about Stonewall riots. And I didn't really think about it afterwards because I'm a bad queer. But then while I was doing research for this, this episode, I was like, yeah, I'm going to fuck up. Like, what? What? Why? Why was Judy Garland brought up? And I've heard, like, so it's Ru- RuPaul, of course, said it on his fucking show. And then I've heard other people say, like, bring it up or whatever. But it all stems from a fucking Republican white male 
who was writing a news article to make fun of us. So please take Judy Garland out of the chat. Have her exit. She's not a part of it. What the fuck? <laughs> RuPaul is just like, like, can you get any worse? Like, I mean, so my, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get why he keeps doing and saying the things that he's doing. Like, stop. Please stop. For the love of God, please stop being so shitty. Cut it out. We were all rooting for you. A queer <laughs> black man on TV? Oh my God. I was rooting for you. I was like, yes, this is amazing. A, a queer black drag queen, like on TV, on national television. I was Hell like, yeah. through the fucking moon for this. And you let us down, buddy. You really, <laughs> you really let us down. You really did. Man, because fuck men. Sorry. Truly, <laughs> truly, fuck, fuck men. <laughs> fuck privileged men. Ugh, <sighs> it's just so, it's so bothersome. Yeah, that's I. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot more to say about that. But mm-hmm. so we could talk about you know, what led up to Stonewall, what happened after Stonewall for hours and hours and hours. So maybe we'll have to do a post-Stonewall episode one day so we can talk about some of the amazing things that came out of Stonewall. But one of them is all of the changes that we have today. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is, despite us still having a lot of work to do. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the gay liberation movement came from Stonewall. Like, obviously, there are more, like, gay rights riots that were happening even before Stonewall. But gay liberation movement, where people started challenging their government to actually, like, the mayor of New York at the time did, like, a press thing while the the parades and the riots were going on the years following. And he was like, yeah, like, these, we have a whole bunch of, like, homosexuals who are outside picketing for rights. I just want everybody in the city to know <laughs> we do not employ homosexuals. And it's just like, it, it like, or we do not knowingly employ homosexuals mm-hmm. in this city of New York. You know, they do not, like, it's crazy to think about, like, only, like, 50 years ago where we still, like, it's not that long ago. We were still battling for rights and unfortunately, today, Trump repealed any sort of LGBTQ and specifically transgender rights when it comes to health care, which mm-hmm. is terrifying. So obviously, a lot of work still needs to be done. But we do have a few rights, and we do have a lot of people now in the ACLU, in other specific LGBTQ or specifically transgender lawyers and law firms and that type of thing that are fighting for us, you, them, etc. And so we need to be at our top game right now. And that means also supporting the black lives, the black trans lives like Nina Pop and Tony Dade. They've been killed by people who do not value you, them, as human beings. They are not seen as human beings. With Tony McDade, it was the police with Nina Pop, it was just just white people that just don't see black and brown people as real people, especially gender mm-hmm. Absolutely. individuals. 
And I think it's really important to note too, I don't want this to go unnoticed, that even though we've made a lot of progress as a queer community, I don't want to go without saying that white cis people have made more progress than any other group in the queer community specifically more progress than people of color and that's because one racism but two because some of the things that so after stonewall some of the things that queer people benefited from white queer people benefited benefited from black and brown queer people did not get to benefit from those same things because they were black and brown so i think that's really important to point out because You know, I'm so sick of hearing people say that, well, you know, slavery ended 400 years ago. So why are you so mad? I didn't, my ancestors, but shut the fuck up. Stop. Because even after we technically, technically, um, I'm doing a lot of air quotes. You can't see me, listeners, but I'm doing tons of air quotes. Even though we technically ended slavery 400-ish years ago people didn't have rights just because you technically weren't a slave anymore didn't mean that you had rights as a human being it just meant that technically no one could own another person but then Mm -hmm. we have servitude and we have all these other things that started happening but anyway i said all that to say i don't want to dismiss the fact that white people have had more opportunities than black people especially in the queer community queer white people have been allowed to do things and say things and believe things and want things that queer black and brown people still don't get to do today Mm -hmm. especially if you're not cis so i just think that's really important to point out because it would be really unfair to suggest that all queer people are on the same playing field because we know that that's not true in this country because racism is so deeply ingrained in our structures and systems. So if you are a white person, if you are a queer white person, I would need you to work hard to consistently check your privilege and remember that not all of your queer brothers and sisters and siblings are being treated the same as you. And that's really, really important to remember. Absolutely. All right. I would love to talk about some black owned queer companies yes if you have any in mind kind of end out our pride month shenanigans there are a couple companies that i'd really like to point out that are queer owned and owned by people of color so the first one is the tender boys club it is tender boys with an i b-o-i-s club they have an instagram and a website they sell clothing and apparel i have a shirt from them it says tender boys club on the front and on the back it says boys do cry and it says boys with an eye really excited about it love that shirt it's really cute so that's one one brand that i really wanted to put out there let's see m do you have any ones you want to throw out there detroit not sorry is really good um it is black owned and they do have quite a few queer things they just started putting more 
queer and black not sorry items onto their shop they have this really really dope like hawaiian type shirt that says queer and black not sorry they just launched some they them embroidery stitched shirts and crew neck type uh, sweaters which are really nice too i just bought from them and they are donating a portion of their proceeds to the black lives matter movement they also have free shipping too so i don't know if that's ongoing or if it's just for right now while they're doing donations to the black lives matter movement but i just bought stuff from them and i was like oh free shipping delightful awesome (laughs) Someone else is Black Queer Magic. It was founded by Vanessa Miller, who's a self-taught jewelry artist and also a social worker, So, which I thought was really great. And a portion of all of their sales go directly to Black LGBTQ people, so they donate to different organizations. And then another, another one is a tribe called Queer, um, and they make t-shirts that have really cool messages and designs on them and they really try to uplift black queer women yeah some places that are actually that are not local to us but there is it's either ilera or ilera apothecary this is a black owned company and they do health and beauty products so they have stuff for your skin and your body which it comes like really super highly recommended their stuff is all is very like natural ingredients and it's all done in california and then they do donate a portion of their stuff to a lot of things like for instance like the jasper house in haiti which is used to restore educate and empower women in haiti and then i have another one saved blue boutique they are all they are in detroit and they are they make custom bow ties but they also have been making masks for the corona season they have some really, really cute, like, floral designs if you're into being, like, dapper and floral at the same time. But they have other designs as well. And they have lions, Spartans, and Yogan stuff, too. But they sell these really dapper hats, too. So if you're, like, into the hat game, they've got some really fancy hats for you to buy as well. Awesome. So definitely go check out those brands, those companies, those stores, Instagrams. We want to, you know, I really liked what... They said yesterday at the protest, they, one of the guys said, you know, put your money where your mouth is as a white person, put your money into black businesses. That's something I've been trying to be really more conscious about, like where I'm spending my money, who I'm giving my money to, trying to be more intentional in that. So we really want to do that and, and make sure that we're giving money to good organizations and, you know, especially right now during Pride Month, giving to queer-owned organizations, especially black queer-owned organizations. So yeah, if you can afford to buy something from any of those places or even research and see if you can find some other ones that are local to you, I would recommend doing that as well. But yeah, donate, buy stuff, whatever you can do to to support black folks. Yeah, for sure. There's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about for like um, donating. If you still are wanting to donate to people have been affected by like the black lives matter movement so tony mcdade's family still has a gofundme up for just like funeral expenses and all that stuff i'm sure also for legal defense because they're still trying to get his his case actually tried and like get the the police officers actually tried so there's a, a gofundme for that and then there's also a transgender gender variant and intersex justice project which you can donate to which i believe is from minnesota as well so there's that as well 
And there's always the LGBTQ Freedom Fund, which you can donate to as well. The awesome. people who still need bailout for the protests and all that stuff. I saw it's it's just really sad because I just I saw a post done by them and they gave out like over a hundred thousand dollars in bailout and that was for three people. Oh wow. And it it's just it's it's terrifying to see how how much bail goes up if you are a black or a brown person as opposed mm-hmm. to a white person. And it's being shown throughout the media, throughout Twitter, you know, Instagram and all that. It's being documented so I can't, I, I have no idea what it's like to be a black or a brown person and, and I personally would be very, very scared and I want to make sure that, that people know that they can, we can, we're here for any sort of support that you can, that if you need somebody to talk to, obviously we don't know your struggle, but if you need just somebody to vent to, our DMs are always open. For sure. We also, an organization that I work for called Stand With Trans, we are, I say we, I'm not, I'm not currently working for them as much. Um, I do contractual work for them, but Stand With Trans is donating gift cards for groceries. So if, you know, you're someone that's in need, if your family's struggling at this time because of COVID or for whatever the reason may be, and groceries are something that you, you really need, we are giving away some grocery gift cards to Kroger and somewhere else too, I believe. So reach out to us if that's something you're interested in and I can follow up with you to get those resources to you as well. And if you're someone that has any kind of other needs, like literally anything that's part of the work that I do, it's helping people get resources. So I I, I know I don't put that out there very often. I, I kind of forget to say it, but if you ever need help finding therapists or housing or anything like that. Obviously, the Metro Detroit area is where we're from, so that's what I'm the most familiar with, but I will absolutely try to help you find whatever it is that you need. So don't feel afraid to reach out to us if there's ever anything, something like that specific that you're really in need of. That's what we're here for, to kind of try to help you navigate those things. Yeah, for sure. Use our privilege as much as we can to help other people. All right. So I think that's it for today. Uh, do you have anything else to add? Um, <sighs> I'm just sad. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. Maybe let's end on, not that I, I, I don't want to try to like make light of shitty situations in any way, shape or form, mm-hmm. but go stream pose season two. It's on Netflix. There we go. That's what I was looking for. It's yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, it just got it just got dro- dropped to Netflix. India Moore, goddess. Bless, they're an angel. Love them. Uh, Can't wish I could marry them. <laughs> Same. Oh my goodness, that's another thing. I just reposted a portrait I did of India where I was talking about the fact that India has been doing so much work right oh now. Oh my god! And they absolutely do not need to. Absolutely. They are trans non-binary person of color they are sharing resources like around the clock what might i add like funding literally for people donating yeah. it yeah they they had a whole thing with like cash app where they were sending money to mm-hmm. trans black specifically i think they were trying to do specifically black trans women but then also other trans identities as well but like specifically black people who are trans and it's just the fact that they are doing so much work in a time where they are probably going through so much PTSD 
from things that they've experienced in their life and now they have to see it on the TV or on the internet everywhere. Like the fact that that they're doing all this work when they don't have to is just like it's amazing. You're you're my idol. (laughs) For real. And I'm I'm actually really glad you said that because number one I wanna go watch season two, but number two, something that's really important that we can kind of end on. So at my work, we did a really helpful debriefing with our staff because we're really ingrained in racial justice work. And so we did two different debriefs. We did a debrief with the white staff and then we did a debrief with staff the staff of color. And then we came together and we talked about, you know, like what as white staff, what we're gonna do to, to fight racial injustice. And then my black and brown colleagues told us as white people what they kind of needed from us and i learned some very valuable things but i just wanted to to kind of like leave this and say you know right now all of your friends family members colleagues coworkers, whatever that are people of color are going through something very traumatic even if they have not personally been impacted by a death or you know anything like that it is still personal because it is when they go out into the world there is a fear that is just kind of hanging over them like a cloud that's following them around so it's really important that we are reaching out to our friends and family of color and checking in on them but doing it in a way that doesn't require a lot of response or a lot of emotional labor. Because, you know, even questions like, how are you feeling can be too much or a lot. And so I posed the question to my colleagues and it was really, really helpful. And I said, what's the best way for me to ask people that I love who are black how can I ask them if they're okay? What, what's the right thing to say? Which, as white people, we sometimes worry about the right thing to say, so we don't say anything at all, which is also not the right way to handle things. And they said the kind of, like, unanimous decision that they came up with together was they said, you should say things like, what can I do for you? Or do you need anything from me? If the answer is yes, they can tell you what they need. If it's to vent, they can tell you what it is. And then that gives them the option to say no. If you ask questions like, how are you feeling? That can be really heavy and something they don't feel like talking about. So if you do want to check in on your your friends and family, which you should, make sure you're, you're saying things that aren't requiring them to do a lot of emotional labor. So saying things like, what can I do for you? Do you need anything from me? Very basic questions that still let them know you were there and you're listening. Or you can even say, hey, if you need anything, I'm here. Keep it short and sweet. Don't expect a response. Don't feel offended if you don't get a response. Because a lot of Black folks are going through it right now. And that's just the way that it is. And that's the way that it may be for a very, very long time. So... Because even though this is a movement that is happening right now, Black people face this every day and always have. Yeah. So it's something that white folks are seeing more now, but Black people think about it every day, every time they leave their house. 
-hmm. So check in, but check in and be mindful of how you're checking in. And I just want to. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get a gold star for writing. You don't get, uh, not writing, but you don't get a gold star for protesting. You don't get a gold star for checking in on your black friends. I kind of experienced that when I went to the Livonia, Michigan protest for Black Lives Matter. It's just like, there are a lot of white people that were really proud of themselves for being there. I'm sure. And they were very much like, oh, everybody needs to calm down and we all need to be civil. It's like, no, people are angry, Mm -hmm. especially in Livonia, Michigan, a sundown town, unfortunately, still. You, as a white person, do not get a gold star if you help out. You are doing the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. This is what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. As Chris Rock said, you don't get a, what do you want, a cookie? Right. Like, shit, just be a fucking decent human being. And don't expect a response, but check in on people without having to need even a response. Mm -hmm. I feel like even just like saying, hey, I'm here for you if you need anything, that's good enough because then that way they don't have to respond if they don't want to. Yep. Yep. And then just leave it. Leave it at that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So I know we kind of, we've kind of been diving in and out of these different topics today, but they're all very relevant still. Mm -hmm. They were relevant during Stonewall, and they are still just as relevant today. So it's really important that we don't forget to have those conversations. You can't have a conversation about queer rights without talking about racism. You just can't. It's impossible. And if you think you can, you are sorely mistaken, and you are probably really white. You are, because otherwise you would know. So just please be consistently mindful of that, of of how, how you get to move in the world because of what you look like or how you don't get to move in the world because of what you look like. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, our social medias. You can follow us on Instagram at Two Queers Podcast. Two is T-W-O. That is our Instagram page. My Instagram page is hi underscore I'm Dom. Hi has two eyes, so it's H-I-I underscore I-M-D-O-M. And then we have a Facebook page as well, which is just our full name, Two Queers Walk Into a Church. Huzzah. We also have a Twitter, which is Two Queers Podcast, but the two is the number two. You can find me on Emily Craig Art, pretty much anywhere. Craig is spelled K-R-I-E-G. And then we are working on a page. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) Thanks so much, guys, for listening. Black Lives Matter. Black Trans Lives Matter. Trans people are the reason why we have pride. Yes. Fuck you if you think otherwise. <laughs> I think that All should right. just be our tagline for the rest. <laughs> it could. We can, that's just, what? That's it our just outro is, now. Our new tagline. <laughs> All right, friends. Thanks for listening, guys. Happy Friday. Bye. Bye.